Blog Talk Radio.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and I and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I thank God, I thank God, and I thank God again. Minister Sylvia, can you pray for uh, the program on today and pray for the word on today? And pray for the people on today. Amen. Are you available to pray? Well, I take that is that she's not available. So I thank God for the honor and the privilege of praying for this program. Father God, I repent for sins of commission and omission. Every deed that I have done or said or conceived in my heart or even imagined. God, I thank you for your word telling me to be also ready and being ready to pray, being ready to thank you, being ready to praise you, being ready to acknowledge you. Being ready to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, I thank you for your word that you've given me on today for your people and even for myself. For your word reminds me that I am a first partaker. So thank you. Thank you for giving us an extra hour based off of the season of the month of November. Thank you for giving me another birth month, a month that you have blessed me to remember you, God, and how you blessed my mom and dad for this to be a month of birthing, of a new life. And I thank you for that life. I thank you for that honor and privilege which allows me today to speak to your people, which allows me daily to give you thanksgiving, which allows me daily to praise you. And I praise you and I thank you on today with your people. From the north to south, the east and the west, and in the center, I thank you for those in America, in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, And all over the world and the cosmos, I thank you, God. For if it had not been for you, the Lord on our side, we would be lost. We would be unforgiven. So thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus, who bore all of our sins. Have your way on today. Thank you for the traveling mercy. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for every sibling. Thank you for every niece and nephew. Thank you for every in-love person instead of in-law. Thank you for every son and every daughter. Mm, Niece and nephew, cousin, uncle and aunt. I pray a special prayer. For my aunt Wardine and my aunt Beck. I pray a special prayer for Minister Margo. I pray a special prayer for Minister Sylvia. I pray a special prayer for Pastor Troy and Prophet Antoine. I pray a special prayer for Dr. Serena Wright. I pray a special prayer for Reverend Lawrence. I pray a special prayer for Minister Ron and uh Missionary, evangelist, minister, tone. God, I pray a special prayer for your people, for everyone that you would allow us to be connected to. I pray a special prayer even for Pastor Choi, who is one of my birthday month twins, meaning that we both were born in the month of November. I thank you for my greats and my grands. Mm, what an honor. What a privilege. 
Thank you for all of the things that you're going to allow as we celebrate this month for your glory. Mm, my God. I have so many things that I could thank you for. And I thank you for them all. Those that I've mentioned and haven't mentioned. Thank you for your angels of protection camped out over the west side, the south side, the east side, the north side of Chicago, and also in Wisconsin. Mm, I thank you for the many blessings and for the one blessing and for the two blessings and on and on and on for when you bless We're blessed all over in every part of our lives. I thank you for health and strength. Have your way in the program today, or it's all about you, God. Well, if I had to give what God has given me to talk about on today, I would say it's a matter of perspective. And don't worry, we're going to come back in a little bit, and we're going to define the word perspective. Well, Isaiah 59 and 18 says, the American Standard Version, So shall they fear the name of Jehovah from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come as a rushing stream, which the breath of Jehovah drives. The Amplified Version says, So as the result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight, for he will come like a rushing stream which the breath of the Lord drives. The New King James Version says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And all three of those are the same scripture and verse, Isaiah 59 and 18, but from different perspectives and interpretations. And it kind of shows you how we can read something, and when we're reading that thing, it can be influenced by what we're experiencing at the time or what we know at the time. And the very meaning of what we've read and the outcome of the situation can be based off of how you feel, how you feel about something, how you feel about someone, or even the situation as a whole. How you, how we interpret things and what we read and what we have heard can be different. I want to talk about how my niece, Pinky, my sister, Minister Sylvia, how my niece, Pinky's husband, Minister Carlson and I all interpreted something that my great-nephew Carvon had said. No, it was the same words in a text to all of us. And yet, when Renee, Minister Renee read it, she read it as though he had purchased something. When Carlton read it, Minister Carlton, he read it as though it was about the thing uh, and the picture of the thing looking like my son, Brandon. 
when I read it, I read it as though he was just talking, not about something he bought, not about being even at work, not about what um, he was talking about with my son, the picture on the particular thing looking like my son Brandon. So all of us read the same sentences, the same words, but we interpreted the meaning differently. So it was a matter of perspective. So how will and how well do we interpret what's been written, whether it's written in shorthand or, as people say, just too wordy? Well, let's talk about something that happened to me yesterday. One, I went was on my way to the mailbox, and when I came back, and it was about what my neighbor said and how I took it. See, the people in my neighborhood, they're used to seeing Sheila come and go. They're used to seeing her um, pick up the packages in the mail. They're used to seeing her sometimes step outside to smoke or sit outside or whatever. So it reminded me of how people and we how we say things casually and how we can say things intimately. So before I say what my sister said, I want you to think about that. When someone says something or writes something, how well you know the person, whether it's casually, intimately, personally, emotionally, or other types of soul ties, can influence what they said and how they said it or even who they said it about. So my neighbor had although he was out there playing with his dog and doing what he usually does, I realized that although he didn't know my sister intimately or personally, he knew her in passing, when I heard what he said, and he said it sincerely, it impacted me differently. And what he said was, he called me by my government name. And he said, I heard what happened to your sister. And he said it sincerely, like he was really concerned. He said, and that was very tragic. But yet he then went on about his business, playing with his dog, doing his yard work. But yet for me, the very memory of my sister Sheila was triggered once again. Because when he said that, I responded and said, Yes, it was, and it's very tragic. So although he went on about his business and continued to do life for him, I came into my house play and realized how much I loved my sister and I missed my sister. And how although I have this type of aromatherapy going on in my house, I no longer smell her. I don't know how if you understand. But people have a sense in the smell. And you can get so used to that scent and that smell until you don't even realize that they have them. 
forget when you lose them, their clothes, their very room, the very house that they lived in could have their scent. And when you smell it, it could cause you to grieve all over again. And so how many people, their hearts are heavy because they lost a parent or a grand or a great or aunt or uncle or a cousin or a niece or a nephew or a sibling or a child or a family member or a friend or a so-called friend or a neighbor or a battle buddy or a pet or a job or a relationship or economic status or income or wealth or an emotional uh, relationship that caused them to have some type of instability, addiction, phobia. Was that person a provider for them, et cetera? When that person was lost, it's a matter of perspective. The emotional wound for me for losing my parents and my sister Sheila and my brother Billy for me than it is for a son or a daughter or a neighbor or a so-called friend or a lover. And it could trigger emotions based off of that relationship and that perspective. I thought about a good friend of mine, Dardell, how she lost her daughter a long time ago and how she still grieves her daughter and how some people are like, can't she just let it go? Can't she just move on? But see, although her daughter did not die from a tragic death like my sister Sheila, and it hasn't been as long because it was just last year, I realized that depending on what you're dealing with at the time or how you remember a person or how you're acquainted with them or the last conversation that you had with them, it can be different. So whether it's you're dealing with abandonment, entanglement, effects of jealousy, deceit and more, or divorce or remarriage, or whether you're caring or you were not a caring parent. People sometimes don't understand the pain that children have when parents have been there for one child and not for another. Some people call it favoritism, but sometimes it's based off of the relationship that the person may have had with the other parent. This is unfortunate because that child never asked either parent to birth them. So I thought about my nephew Juan and my son Brandon and their children and their marriage and their commitment and how they please to their wives and how they take care of their children and how Juan has um, children that he had outside of marriage and so does his wife, and he loves them all. You can't really tell the difference. He loves them with a genuine love. And Brandon had twins, two girls, and he just loves them, but he just had a son. And I watch him with all three of them. And it appears he loves them all sincerely, not making a difference. Even though one used to be a fighter where she would start a fight all the time of the twins, and she still does. But it seems now she's gotten fed up with taking a beating. And she will give her sister a reminder of why she's the oldest. So it's amazing for me watching them from the outside looking in, even though neither Juan nor Brandon's fathers were there for them during their, you know, young years. And even when they were, it was a whole nother story. But I thought about how much my dad, because Brandon was his namesake, was there for him. And sometimes, you know how people said it seems like grandparents treat their grandkids better than they treat their real kids. Well, 
I know my all I says I know my dad loved his name, says. Huh? That's a whole nother message. And so then it's a matter of perspective. My sisters may have seen something differently. I saw Juan and Brandon grow up almost like brothers, but I also saw people on the outside trying to influence their relationship in a negative way, but it didn't work. I thought about how on our jobs and things like that, how we have evaluations and we get promoted and and things of that sort. And I thought about how some of us can be sick and at work. We won't even take sick leave because it's a matter of perspective. Will they treat you right and fairly just because you took off because you're sickly? Mm. Oh, do they expect you to work even when you're sick? Do they expect you to not take sick leave? Mm, That's a whole other message. Like I said, it's a matter of perspective. When you see people at church and they have on minis and fishnets and their boobies are hanging all out and their butts are all out and they want to sit on the front row where the pastor, the prophet, the teacher, the preacher can see them. My, 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 my. What happened to modest attire? Or what about if it's not a matter of modest attire? What about if they're just wearing all that they have? It's a matter of perspective. What about if years ago, I won't say all who was involved, people were judging this young lady and giving her a hard time because of the way she dressed? And God reveals to me that she was wearing all that she had. So he allowed me to go shopping and to give her the modest attire that that church congregation was used to its attendees wearing. And I made sure she gave God all of the glory for it. See, it was a matter of perspective. Some thought she was dressing like that to be provocative and draw the attention of the men. But in actuality, she was wearing all that she had. Many people never knew that because they never got to know her to find out why she was dressing the way she was dressing. And they just kept those opinions. Mm. It wasn't about them not addressing their opinions as much as it was about being Christ-like. It's a matter of perspective. I thought about how even the very month of November, the very meaning of November, is a Latin word for November, which means nine, because it's the ninth month of the Roman calendar. And yet in America... November is the 11th month of our calendar. And it's the month that we celebrate veterans, military people that have served in our military, and that we give thanksgiving to God and just have festivity so that we can eat and have fun. And we even, in our family, celebrate all of the birthday months. Well, do you know that in the Hebrew, the Hebrew calendar, November is the eighth month. So we've heard that it's the eighth month in Hebrew. It's the ninth month in the Romans. And it's the eleventh month in America. But see, do we know that the root word of November is chase, which means quiet? The very name commands us to be still and to be quiet. Did we know that November is actually a campaign that's aimed towards the prevention of prostate cancer? Did we know that some people, when they think of November, they think of consciousness? a state of mind, 
and faith and the conscience expectation. Yes, the month of November is the month that we're supposed to have a conscious expectation of faith. How many of you knew that the month of November is a blessing month? Yeah, you knew we celebrated veterans and you knew we had Thanksgiving, but how many of you knew that it's a month of the blessing? It's a matter of perspective. Are you looking at November as a blessing month, a faith month, a month that we promote the prevention of prostate cancer? A month to, to be still and to be quiet. Or the eighth month of the year. Or the ninth month of the year. Or the eleventh month of the year. Like I said, it's a matter of perspective. What's going on with you and your life and your culture that makes you look at November differently? Same spelling. Well, let's talk about the matter of a perspective versus a prospective. A perspective, P-E-R-S-T-E-C-T-I-V-E, is a noun. It could be talking about the height, the width, the depth of the position in relation to how you're viewing something from a particular point or attitude towards something or a way that you're regarding something, or your viewpoint, or your outlook, or your standpoint, or your stance, or your attitude, your frame of mind. So it could be a prospective. See, a perspective is a noun, but a prospective is an adjective. P-R-O-S-P-E-C-T-I-V-E, which is what's expected. What's expected in the future or what's likely to happen in the future, it's potential, something that's possible, something that's probable, something that's to be, it's eventual. So whether you're talking about a perspective versus a prospective, we need to know that a perspective is a noun, and it's used to talk about your viewpoint. And a prospective means how something's expected. To have. Now let's switch gears and talk about a perspective based off of what I call the mama bear and papa bear syndrome. With that thing, you become protective and you become uh, that person that sometimes knows the whole story. Well, when my niece Pinky read the text that her son Carvan had wrote, I saw the mama bear come in. Because based off of some of the responses, she became a mama bear. She became protective. She said she was shaking her head, and the other person said they were shaking their head. And it became a, a an unofficial battle over what the text that was written by Carvon was written about. But one person read it as the mama bear, and the other person read it as, that doesn't line up with what you and I last talked about and what you were doing. So I read it, that person, when I say I, not me, read it from that perspective based off of the last conversation that they had. But mama bear read it like, you're attacking my son. How many times has someone said something about my son or your daughter or your husband or your significant other or your uh, sister? It's a matter of perspective. I've seen my sister, Minister Sylvia, go into protective mode for me like, Rawr! no, you won't. But I've also seen my niece, Pinky, come in, Rawr! no, you won't. But I've also seen God come in. Rawr! No, you won't. Touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. 
Why do I bring that up? Truly is a matter of perspective. Mm. Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with complete patience in teaching. Now, this is to the pastors and the teachers of God's word, those that are sent and called and chosen, those that minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, those that are called by God to teach, to pre-prove, to rebuke, to exhort. And unfortunately, it does not say reprove, rebuke, and resort when you're perfect. Why? Because there's none perfect but God. But yet, when we look at the word, we see Peter and Paul sometimes didn't agree on things, but they still had to preach the word of God in spite of their disagreement, in spite of their shortcomings. Apostle Peter and Apostle Paul still had the burden of pastoring and teaching the people of God so that they would know how to be born again. In order to do that, we have to ask God for his wisdom, preach his word, as we teach his word, as we minister his word, whether it's in a group or whether it's one-on-one. Because, see, when we take on the call, When we say yes to God, we said, God, I will be prepared to teach and preach and minister your word in season or out of season as one of your leaders. God, I will do what you say when you say it. I will say what you say when you say it. I don't necessarily get a break, it seems like, but you do every once in a while. When you're not at church, you're probably getting a break, but one break you don't get is you can never get a break from the relationship that you have with God. So he's not something that you just put on and take off. Even though I must admit, sometimes when I'm looking at some of the church leaders and men and women of God, it seems like when they get around certain people in groups that they feel like a nut, and sometimes they don't, like an almond joy. So you can have an almond joy and eat the coconut and chocolate, with an almond in it, or you can decide, no, I don't want the almond this time. I'm going to have a mom. No. But see, your fellowship with God, your call to the ministry of God doesn't work like that. You, you, you can't decide when I'm with this group, I'm going to show everything. I got my boobs hanging out. I got my butt hanging out. And then when you get to church, all of a sudden, you're in modest attire. No, 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 no. You have to be prepared to teach and preach and minister the gospel in and out of season. And believe me, when you're in and out of season, people are watching you. And they're saying, he or she say they say. Hmm. Believe me, if they can do it, I can do it. Hmm. But the word of God tells us to correct. So let's correct ourselves first. But remember, even if you are faltering in that place, it does not mean that God is not going to use you in that place. Say, well, you just said to correct. Well, sometimes your correction is not going to be immediate, but sometimes your correction as the minister of the gospel, just like the person you're talking to, is going to be to first repent. Repent for sins of commission and omission. Because, see, we have to preach the word perfect in itself. Not that we're perfect, but the perfect word of God. Second Timothy 4 says, Charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. See, the judges are Jesus, is the Father. And so when we're telling people stuff, we're telling them as the Father and Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit unctions us. So we're to preach the word. And yet we are to know that 
while we're preaching a word, that some men will not tolerate that sound doctrine. That's what the word says. Because they'll have itchy ears and they want to gather themselves, the teachers, to suit their own desires. They want to turn their ears away from the truth and turn it aside to myths. They want to forget that God said to be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. It didn't say why you were perfect. It said even in hardship, fulfill the work of the evangelist and the ministry. It says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering in the time of my departure at that hand. This is Jesus talking to the cleric. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Mm. From now and there lay the crown of righteousness, which the Lord and the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who crave his appearance. So, yes, while you're doing your global ministry, yes, while you're doing your local ministry, Yes, while you're doing whatever you're doing that God has called you to do, you must still give out the correction of God. And it's the heart. Are you doing it in love? Or are you doing it in a haughty, self-righteous manner? Are you yourself rejecting the very truth that you're preaching? Hmm, that's a whole other message. We're to rebuke. Yes, even the intellectual. There are some that are going to rebuke you because they know it all, they think. Or because of the degrees and the learning that they've had or the experiences that they've had in life or the income that they have or the assets that they have. Do you know when I was a young person, sometimes my parents would tell me to do stuff and I may have done it, but I didn't want to do it. Why? Because of that know-it-all spirit that a lot of young people walk around with, and adults and elderly too. See, the rich, the poor, they all can be unwilling to listen. Why? Because you're trying to mess with their pets. You're trying to mess with that thing they've been ignoring. You're trying to mess with that thing that God called you to speak about. It doesn't matter if they don't want to talk about it. God told you to talk about it. It doesn't matter if they reject it. God told you to tell them. Just obey God. But also remember this. You've rebuked them. You've corrected them. You've taught them. God will send you sometimes just to encourage somebody, to encourage them physically, to encourage them naturally, to encourage them spiritually. So, yes, sometimes, Jonah, you're going to have to do what God told you to do even when it looks like the people don't deserve it. Why? Because when we're experiencing trials and tribulations and troubles in this earth and we're growing weary, we're asking God to help us. And at the same time, he's telling us to minister to others. And believe it or not, while we're ministering to others, God is encouraging us. He's cultivating us. He's restoring us. And we're being called to cultivate them. Let me give you some examples of how people were going through, and yet God called them to help others. During the Civil Rights Movement, when Mamie had to minister, when her son was tragically tortured and killed and murdered, etc., when someone that's educated needs to teach someone that's uneducated. When someone that's uneducated has to preach to someone who is educated. When someone's having health issues and God is telling you to preach and teach about that very thing. When someone had a promotion and someone didn't get a promotion. When someone has food and someone doesn't have food. When someone has shelter and someone doesn't have shelter. See, you have to know that God can cancel all of your debts, he can increase you economically, economically, educationally, beyond what your parents and your parents' parents had and your friends and et cetera, and he cannot, but you could still be called because the very principle is that you have to do it in patience, great patience, 
with careful instruction from God. And you have to be content in the very content of what God is telling you to speak about. Not that you're perfect. But I had another, one more thing I want to cover. Do we give out tough love or do we always give out soft love? Believe it or not, some people you're going to have to be harsh with. Some people, that's all they know. That's all they've lived. And so you trying to give them the milk of the word when they need the strong word is not going to reach them. So in great patience and instructions, hear the wisdom of God. Hear the instruction of God and know when to give tough love versus the tender baby-like love. Yes. It's not the same for everybody because it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of knowing how can I reach this person. Don't be trying to go over and reach the cartel the same way you was reaching a person that grew up in church all their lives that thinks they know everything versus that person that's had a Life of rejection, a stony heart, a self-righteous heart, a heart that says, but you don't know what I know. I got this. I got that. Or a heart that says, I'm a this religion or that religion, and Jesus is just a prophet. Well, I'm speaking to you. Although the word reminds us, to take the beam out of our own eyes, the educated, the uneducated, the intellectual, the unintellectual, the rich, the poor, the main thing that Jesus was speaking to when he said not to judge was the hypocrisy. And sometimes people look at you as a hypocrite because you're preaching and you're teaching on the very thing that God delivered you from or is delivering. But repent and do what God has told you. Don't worry about what they call you. Just you don't be a hypocrite. If you're obeying God in love, if you're speaking the gospel in love, if you're doing what God told you to do and is not on the perspective of being self-righteous and knowing it all, but you're doing it based off of what God said to do. Know this, people of God. Whether God is still perfecting you in that area or whether that's something God has already delivered you from, it does not negate your responsibility to obey God. So it's a matter of perspective. When you read these, this scripture, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to read it two different ways, and I'm going to pause so that you'll understand. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from what? From the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against them. See, when I read it that time, I read it as though when the enemy comes in and he tries to attack us on every angle, at every level, it appears that he's drowning us and suffocating us. It appears that he's winning, that we're about to die because he's flooding us. He's overwhelming us. But right at that 11.59 nanosecond hour, God comes in like my Jehovah Nisi my banner, and he gives me victory because no weapon formed against me shall prosper because he's my God and I'm his daughter and he wants me to prosper and he wants the enemy to know that everything he tries, although it tries to overwhelm me, although it tries to flood everything around me, is dried up now. It's null and void. Why? Because Jehovah Nisi, my banner, has come in and saved me. But listen to this way that I tend to read it. This is again Isaiah 59 and 19. 
So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the Lord, I mean from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy comes in. Like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. See, on this side of how I read it and how I interpret it, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord came in. The other way, like a flood, the enemy came in. But see, when I read it this way, it reminds me that the enemy is overtaken like a flood by the power of God, my Jehovah Jireh, my Jehovah Nisi, my Jehovah God, my Adonai, my Yahweh, my superior God, my supreme God, my Alpha and my Omega, my beginning and my end. Destroy the devil from every angle, from every level. He was annihilated. He was obliterated. And it was all through the attributes of my God and his godly character of being all-powerful, being all-knowing, omniscient, being ever-present, omnipresent. For he always operates in a way that requires whatever God is coming about or being about or coming to rescue you that he, rawr, rawr, rawr. No, you won't. Not today. Thank you, Father God, for teaching me and for this teaching on teaching us how to submit, surrender, and bow down in our lives so that we can remember that you're sovereign and that you've given us a God-given destiny and purpose and call and that everything you do, God, we must do it willingly. Just like you have faith, we must willingly have faith. Just as you protect us, we must willingly thank you for your glory, for protecting us. Because it's a matter of perspective, not prospective of how the future is going to be, although you've already let us know that we're going to reign with you. We must humbly accept what you allow and declare and decree fervently and continually that we accept what God allows because it's all a matter of perspective. Minister Sylvia, I turn the program over to you. Amen and amen. Good morning, good morning. I'm so sorry that I did not hear you earlier. Um. Um, so I love the program that I heard as much because my phone was acting up. But I am so excited to tell you all about Smile 3E Iron Sharpening Iron. We are here every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Standard Time, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with our very own apostle like Dr. Cecilia Kaiser. We are also here every Monday evening at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This Monday was the first Monday of the month. Our very own Dr. Serena Wright will be our speaker. We're also here on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time with Wisdom Wednesdays. We're also here on Fridays at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with myself, Minister Sylvia Kaiser, with Smile 3E Iron Shopping Iron to hear what God has to say to us. Our foundational scripture is Matthew 6 and 33. So seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We are so in love with the Lord is that is we could tell you about it all day, all night. But one thing we will say is God is able. We thank him for the opportunity to let us know that we could come to him to repent. The lines are open. Does anyone would like to have any words at this time? Please speak now.
Okay, well, we thank God for all that was said on today. I hope someone was able to grab something that they can apply to to their life. They would uh, apply to their family. I just hope something was said that would help someone on today. Apostle is back in your hands. Thank you. And if you didn't chance to hear all of the words today, I would say that you will walk away knowing we have to allow one another to be human and to allow one another to freely interpret the word of God based off of the wisdom of God, the leading of his Holy Spirit, and the intercession of Jesus on our behalf. So no matter what you do, obey God. Matthew 6 and 33, as Minister Sylvia says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The seek. And the seek is surrendering, submitting everything to God. It's a matter of perspective. Bye-bye.